You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. As we continue in Lent, the Gospel reading just seems to get longer and longer and longer. Today we read the entire chapter from the book of John, and when you've got over 40 verses to work with, it can be a little hard to find something to focus on. I thought this week about writing a sermon about how awesome slash totally gross it is that Jesus can heal someone with spit, and then one about the Sadducees and Pharisees once again throwing a fit about the Sabbath. And then a third one about what happens when even your parents are willing to throw you onto the bus. But I didn't really find anything compelling in those ideas for myself. So it's Friday night, and I'm reading this passage again, trying desperately to figure out what on earth I'm going to say. And I noticed something that I didn't before. Within the first seven verses of this passage, Jesus heals the blind man, and he can see again. In the next 20-some verses, he's referred to over and over again as the man who was born blind. No one seems to recognize that, hey, he can see now. Maybe it's time to start calling him by his name. Instead, those around him continue to define him by his limitations, by what he couldn't do, even after that limitation is gone. I wonder how often we do the same in our own relationships. How often do we define the people around us by what they lack? He's a high school dropout. She's unemployed. She's a single mom. He's divorced. Their perceived challenges become the way that we identify them. And what's worse is that we don't just limit this practice to others. In fact, we often give other people the benefit of the doubt and are willing to see the best in them. But what is it that we see when we look at ourselves? How frequently do we see our desperate need for improvement, all the things about ourselves that we would like to change? We focus on our mounting collection of past failures, and if we are not careful, we'll allow those limitations to shape how we see ourselves, even after those limitations are gone. Counterintuitive as it may seem, we cling to this image of limitation and inadequacy. We all carry around the weight of believing that we are not strong enough, or smart enough, or determined enough, or something fill-in-the-blank enough. And the truth is that this definition by negation robs us of recognizing all the amazing things that we are. It makes us not want to try. It is far safer to stay nestled in our fear of what we are not, of what we cannot do, than to go out in the world and run the risk of confirming those fears. As scholar and preacher David Loth says, our warped identities are well-fashioned, and so even though they serve us poorly, they are at least familiar. We grow so accustomed to seeing ourselves a certain way, seeing ourselves through this lens of inadequacy, that it can be absolutely revolutionary to find that maybe God doesn't share that view, that God might see us as valuable, that ours is a God who loves us and makes all things new, even us. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. Jesus comes to a man totally defined by his inability to see, and he heals that blindness. 
Jesus comes to us in the moments where we believe that we are nothing more than the sum of our shortcomings and says that we are enough, that we are good and acceptable the way we are. One word from Jesus, and this man is no longer defined by what he cannot do. One word from Jesus, and we are free from failure, and everything changes, and that's awesome. That is, until we remember that change kind of sucks. Change is always disruptive, or more accurately, transformation, honest-to-goodness conversion from one thing into another is always disruptive. If you don't believe me, consider the recent past of our own community. Consider the growing pains of a congregation that has more than doubled in size in the last three years. Consider what it has been like to learn to share our pastor with a world that needs her voice. For me, it's been scary and very disruptive. Change can be, at the same time, 100% necessary, freeing, and even exciting and 100% terrifying, because it always requires that we leave something behind. And when we remember that, we wonder if change is worth it. We wonder if it is worth it to leave what is familiar, to reach for what is unknown to us. In our fear, we often resist or outright reject the invitation into a new identity and new possibility, because really, how much easier is it to live with our well-defined, if deformed, sense of self than to step out in faith and risk leaning into this life abundant that Jesus is offering us? How much easier is it to hide away our crippling debt, our mental illness, our complete lack of self-control, all of those things that we perceive as failure? How much easier is it for us to hide those things away than to risk naming them openly and trust that we will still find love and acceptance? How much easier is it to sit here on a Sunday and hear that Jesus offers us new life than it is to allow that truth to break open the facade of our self-image and for us to attempt to live as though that were true? Because here's the thing. There is not enough room in your heart for two identities. It is not big enough to hold both never going to be enough, and always being made new. You have to pick one and live there. I find it hopeful that this message comes in Lent. I'm not quite sure where the notion of giving something up in this season comes from, but I do remember being a confirmation student and believing that I had to find something that it would be really difficult for me to go without for 40 days so that somehow I could prove my piety and believing that by going without chocolate for five weeks, I would really understand the suffering of Christ. <laughs> but what if there actually is something meaningful to be found in the practice of giving something up for Lent? What if in the short time that remains before we celebrate the great three days of our holiest week, we were to try to give up the perceptions we have of ourselves that rob us of the possibility that God calls us into? What if we ceased to define ourselves by our addiction, our depression, our weakness, and our broken relationships? What if we tried to let go of defining ourselves by our limitations? Maybe we would create room for the identity and possibility that Jesus calls us to 
to take root somewhere deep within us. Maybe when Easter does come and we hear again the good news that he is risen and we are free to live as people transformed by the cross, we might actually have the audacity to give that a shot. It is one thing to believe that you will be made a new creation. It's something quite different to, lo- to live as though you already are one. True transformation is the courageous act of leaving behind that which is, which maybe has always been, to seek out what isn't yet. But let's not forget, in our gospel text, Jesus seeks out the man he frees and affirms his abundant life. There is a promise there that we don't have to do this alone, that Jesus will seek after us too, always extending an invitation to new life and always walking beside us as we try to live it. I think I may be quoting our pastor when I say that Jesus will set you free, but first he will mess you up. Change, in fact the gospel itself, comes as an interruption to our previously scheduled living. And when it comes, that change is hard. But I have a sneaking suspicion that living as exactly the people God calls us to be is totally worth it. Maybe so. If these sermons are meaningful for you, we invite you to support the congregation, and you can do that at houseforall.org. There's a PayPal button there. Also, we'd love for you to come and join us for liturgy. We meet at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Sundays at 2201 Dexter in Denver.